Welcome to the Kingdom Life San Antonio podcast. For more information about Kingdom Life San Antonio, check out KingdomLifeSA.com. You can also find us on Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube. Thanks for tuning in. Here's today's message. Happy Super Bowl Sunday. I heard, uh, I, heard, I heard a story. I don't think it's a true story, but I remember hearing a story about, you know, somebody walking into a church in a third world country and saying, hey, if, uh, if you don't deny Christ, you're going to die. So now's your opportunity to leave if, uh, if you don't want to die for your faith. And then, of course, like apparently half the room like leaves the building and then they're like, just kidding. But now we can really have church, <laughs> you know, um, Anyway, this, like Zach said, these are the true believers. Just kidding. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to land the plane early enough for you to, like, jump in your car and get home and, and watch the game, maybe. But if the Holy Spirit really shows up, like, you're going you're gonna to have to make a decision. <laughs> so, um, no, just kidding, just kidding. But you guys doing well? Hey, who is, um, who's voting for the Chiefs tonight? Raise your hand if you're going for the Chiefs. This isn't a trick question. All right. Who's, who's cheering for Tampa Bay? Raise your hands. Okay. Wow. Who doesn't care at all? Wow. That's, that's, <laughs> that's why y'all are here. It's awesome. All right. I'm going to finish at seven. No, just kidding. Just kidding. Well, well hey, um, most of you know me. I'm Chuck, one of the pastors here. And uh, this, I had a crazy week, and this doesn't happen to me every week. I'd be lying if I said it did, but I had a crazy week uh, in terms of like the Lord just confirming prophetically so clear. Like so clear it was weird what I was supposed to share tonight. And it started last Friday. And how many of you know that one of the languages of heaven is unusual coincidence? Like, have you ever just gone through a season where you, like, look at the alarm clock? Like, it seems like every day or a couple times a day you look at the alarm clock and it's, like, 2.22 or, you know, 1.34 or whatever it is. You're like, okay, this is too weird. I can't plan this. Like, God, what are you saying through these numbers kind of thing? And, or have you ever just, like, not seen somebody in years and then you run into them in random places, like, five times in the same week? And it's like, okay, there's, what, what's going on here? Is there a reason for this? Well, I had one of those like really unusual coincidences this, this past week. It actually ha- started last Friday. And last Friday, I got a text from, from our friend Glenn. You guys love Glenn. And uh, I got a text from Glenn, and he said, he said, pray Gigi's in labor. Now, I found out later that Gigi's in labor means she's ready to pop any minute. Like, not like she's actually in labor, but uh, apparently Glenn can be like a little bit dramatic, and he's like, she's in labor. (laughs) Maybe he's trying to call those things that aren't as though they are. I don't know. But he's like, pray Gigi's in labor. And so I was like, all right, on it. So next thing I know, I get home, and Gigi's at our house. (laughs) And I'm like, I don't think she's in labor. And, and I look, and she's, talk, she's hanging out with Anna in the backyard, and I mean, she is, she is ready to pop, and she has her other kids with her. And I'm like, Gigi, I thought you were in labor. She's like, no, my dad says that, just me. Like, I'm, try, I'm actually walking around trying to get the baby going kind of thing. And I was like, I was like that's crazy. You, just, you know, Glenn just loves her so much. He's like, pray, 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 pray for Gigi. And then I was like, I was like um, you know, remind me what you're having. She's like a boy. And I said, oh, awesome. What, what's his name going to be? And she said, Lazarus. And I was like, I was like, cool name. I've never, I've never heard of a, I've never met somebody named Lazarus. So 
that happened. That was Friday afternoon. Sunday morning, I'm actually preaching at New Life at this church here where we meet. I'm, I preach here once in a while on a Sunday morning, and I'm preaching, and I'm, I'm out, in, out by the coffee bar before church started. I'm just chatting with people, and I'm talking to one of, the guy, one of the staff members that I know here, and he introduces me. He said to me, he goes, you don't know so-and-so? I said, no. I said, my name's Chuck. He said, hey, my name's Laz. <laughs> and I go, Laz? He goes, yeah, it's actually Lazarus. And, and I'm like, that's, that's, that's crazy. I just, you know blah, blah, blah. I told him about Gigi. And uh, I was like, that's cool. Just met another Lazarus. And, and uh, so that's, that's Sunday morning. Sunday afternoon, Ben Hallback and I were meeting with somebody um, before church started, just doing a, a little prayer appointment with them. And we're ministering and we're chatting and we're talking. And next thing I know, Ben Hallback doesn't know any of this. He goes, there's just something about Lazarus. And he goes, and I'm just hearing the name Lazarus. And there's something about the grave clothes coming off. And there's something on Lazarus. And then I was like, this is weird. <laughs> so I was like, I'm preaching this on Sunday for sure. And it just began to stir in me. And then, you know, M Monday comes along. And I, I do a little bit of real estate on the side. So I'm doing real estate. And, and I'm, I'm like, I'm showing this lady I'm new bills and new Braunfels. The second house she sees, she wants to buy. And I'm like, do you want to see a few more? Are you sure? And I'm sure if she's like, no, I like that one. So I'm like, awesome. We're like signing the papers, getting it under contract. We're having a God, in, like, God encounter story with the salesperson of this new build. They're a believer. They're talking about unusual coincidences. And I was like, I have one. And I start telling them about Lazarus and this whole thing that started unfolding. And then as I'm sitting there and we're doing paperwork, I just like open my Instagram. Instagram to scroll through Instagram because I'm really spiritual and uh, and it's I scroll through and it stops on a friend of mine's post Jody Hughes from from Australia some of you know Ben and Jody good friends of ours and and it says this in her post something to the effect of Lazarus is asleep and Lazarus is America and Jesus is coming to wake him up and I thought now it's really weird and so the Lord just began to speak to me about this story. So needless to say, go with me to John chapter 11. John chapter 11. I want to read the story of Jesus raising Lazarus from the dead. And we're going to, I mean, there's so much prophetic um, stuff in this passage of scripture that we could preach on this for days. But I just feel this stirring about some prophetic realities that are in this story, that are in this, uh, this text of scripture that I believe apply to not just kingdom life, but the church as a whole. And I want to start in uh, John chapter 11, starting in verse 1. It's the story of Jesus raising Lazarus from the dead. And it says this. Now, a certain man was sick, Lazarus of Bethany. By the way, I'm going to read a lot of scripture. I'm going to read 1 through 45. I'm just giving you a context right now. Some of you are going to read more scripture than you've read all year right now. Okay? So you're welcome. All right? John chapter, okay. Chapter 11, verse 1. Now, a certain man was sick, Lazarus of Bethany, the town of Mary and his, her sister Martha. It was that Mary who anointed the Lord with fragrant oil and wiped his feet with her hair, whose brother Lazarus was sick. Therefore, the sisters sent to him Jesus, saying, Lord, behold, he whom you love is sick. Now remember, Jesus just loved Lazarus, Mary, and Martha, these siblings. They're good friends of his. He hangs out with them, and he hears that one of his close friends is dead. Verse four, when Jesus heard that, he said, this sickness is not unto death, but for the glory of God, that the son of God may be glorified through it. Now, Jesus loved Martha and her sister 
and Lazarus. So when he heard he was sick, he stayed two more days in the place he was. Now, does anybody think that's a little interesting? Jesus hears Lazarus is sick, and it says he loved Mary, Martha, and Lazarus. Therefore, he waited two more days to go raise him from the dead. How many of you know this is what I'm preaching on, but this one's free? How many of you know that sometimes what we perceive as delay is actually the wisdom of God getting ready to bring the greatest miracle that you need because he knows what you need? Sometimes what we perceive as delay or not happening or God, where are you, is him waiting to show up at just the right moment in his wisdom and in his power. Does that make sense? So we waited uh, um, two more days and stayed in the place where he was. Okay, where, what verse am I on? Verse Seven, then after this, he said to his disciples, let us go to Judea again. The disciples said to him, Rabbi, lately the Jews sought to stone you, and are you going there again? Jesus answered, are there not 12 hours in the day? If anyone walks in the day, he does not stumble because he sees the light of this world. But if one walks in the night, he stumbles because the light is not in him. Verse 11, these things he said, and after that, he said to them, our friend Lazarus sleeps, but I, may, but I go that I may wake him up. Then his disciples said, Lord, if he sleeps, he'll get well. However, Jesus spoke of his death, but they thought he was talking about taking a rest and sleep. Then Jesus said to them plainly, Lazarus is dead, and I'm glad for your sakes that I was not there that you may believe. Nevertheless, let's go to him. Verse 16, then Thomas, and this is funny, then Thomas, who was called the twin, said to his fellow disciples, let us also go that we may die with him. <laughs> Don't you love Thomas's faith. He's like, we don't know what Jesus is saying, but let's just go and die with him kind of thing. All right, verse 17. So when Jesus came, he found that he, Lazarus, has already been in the tomb about four days. Now, Bethany was near Jerusalem, about two miles away, and many of the Jews had joined the women around Martha and Mary to comfort them concerning their brother. Then Martha, as soon as she heard that Jesus was coming, went and met him, but Mary was sitting in the house. Now Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But even now, I know that whatever you ask of God, God will give you. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha said to him, I know he'll rise again in the resurrection at the last day. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, though he may die, he shall live. And whoever lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? She said to him, yes, Lord, I believe that you are the Christ, the son of God who has come into the world. Verse 28, and when she had said these things, she went her way and secretly called Mary, her sister, saying, the teacher has come and is calling for you. As soon as she heard that, she arose quickly and came to him. Now, Jesus had not yet come into the town, but was in, a play, in the place where Martha had met him. The Passion Translation says that Jesus was lingering outside of the town. I think sometimes the Lord's presence just lingers a little bit to see if we'll respond and press in a little bit more. Verse 31, then the Jews who were with him in the house and comforting her when they saw that Mary rose up quickly and went out, followed her, saying she's going to the tomb to weep there. Then when Mary came to where Jesus was and saw him, she fell down at his feet, saying to him, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. Therefore, when Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews who came with her weeping, he groaned in the spirit and was troubled. And he said, where have you laid him? They said to him, Lord, come and see. Verse 35, the shortest verse in the Bible, Jesus wept. By the way, I think this is kind of interesting, not my message, but this kind of jumped out at me. It's interesting that Mary and Martha 
said the exact same thing to Jesus, but got a different response. Martha said, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. And how many of you know that Martha, if you remember the story of Mary and Martha in, you know, when Jesus was in their house and Martha was doing all the things, trying to serve Jesus and make him sandwiches and all that. And and, and she got upset because Mary was at the feet of Jesus, just listening to his words and eventually anointed his feet. Just like Emery said earlier, just captivated by the presence of the son of God. But Martha was stressed out, anxious and worried about all the things that she had to do. Remember that? And Jesus said, Martha, you're worried about so many things, but Mary has chosen the better thing, which is just to be with me. Now we have Martha coming to Jesus, saying, Jesus, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. And, and Jesus you know, starts to tell her, it says, listen, your brother will rise again. And then next thing you know, Mary is coming to Jesus and says, Jesus, if you would have been here, my brother would not have died. And next thing you know, Jesus is so moved by Mary that it says he was troubled in his spirit and he groans within himself and he literally begins to weep. I believe that is a beautiful picture of the reality of when we prioritize intimacy with him, we can actually move him in a way that other people can't move him. They, they prayed the same prayer, but got different results. How many of you know it's not about the words we speak, it's about our inward reality of cultivating intimacy with Jesus. So it says he groaned within himself. What verse am I on? Jesus wept. <laughs> Thank you. This is... This is uh, this is interactive. Jesus wept. Verse 36, and the Jews said, see how he loved him. And some of them said, could not this man who opened the eyes of the blind also have saved this man from dying? Then Jesus, again groaning in himself, came to the tomb. It was a cave and a, a big stone lay against it. Jesus said, take away the stone. And uh, Martha, the sister of him who was dead, said, Lord, by this time there is a stench, for he has been dead four days. Verse 40, Jesus said to her, did I not say to you that if you would believe, you would see the glory of God? Then they took away the stone from the place where the dead man was lying, and Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. And I know that you always hear me, but because of the people who are standing by, I said this, that they may believe that you sent me. Now when he had said these things, he cried with a loud voice, Lazarus, come forth. And he who had died, come out, bound, hand and foot with grave clothes, and his face was wrapped with a cloth. Jesus said to them, loose him and let him go. Then many of the Jews who had come to Mary had seen the things Jesus did, believed in him. Now, crazy story, and I love this story. And one of the reasons that I love it is because it's one of the, many examples of an extraordinary miracle being done either by Jesus or later by one of his apostles or by Stephen, one of the elders, where an extraordinary miracle got the attention of an entire, entire town, village, or city. An entire city would come out to see Jesus who rose Jesus from the dead. And it says, not only did many of the Jews come to faith in Jesus, but it, later it says that many came to see Lazarus, the one who had been raised from the dead. And I love this because one, Joey said this last week, one extraordinary miracle can get the attention of a community and point people to Jesus. And I love that about the story. You know, I love stories of Heidi Baker, and a lot of you know who Heidi Baker is. Heidi Baker and, uh, you know, Matt and... Um, 
uh, Matt and, um, I just drew a blank. Ashland did her school. They could tell you firsthand. Heidi has seen so many people raised from the dead now in, in the villages of Mozambique that she's lost count. Do you, know what their, do you know what their church planning model is? They go into a village that's never heard about Jesus. They set up a stage. They worship. They preach. They show an old school Jesus film to some people who have never seen a movie before. And uh, I think they probably show it in Portuguese. And then, they, and then they say this. The same Jesus that you saw in this movie doing all these miracles is here right now, even though you can't see him. And he's going to open blind eyes. He's going to open deaf ears. And then she says, bring me your deaf. Next thing you know, they bring deaf people up on the stage. Heidi prays for them, their deaf ears open and an entire village gets saved. And then they appoint one of them a pastor and they have a church. (laughs) It's like church planting 101, you know. And I love that about extraordinary miracles. And I love that about this story. But as I read it and as the Lord began to stir in me, I believe there is something deeper. I believe there is something prophetic about, about this passage of scripture and about this encounter, and that is this. I believe that in many ways, Lazarus represents the church. I believe that in many ways, Lazarus represents the church specifically in America. And it's interesting that Jesus said, we need to go to that town because Lazarus, our friend, has fallen asleep, and I'm going to wake him up. And I believe that in many ways, the church in America is asleep, is slumbering, but the good news is Jesus is coming like the lion of the tribe of Judah, and he's gonna roar, a godly roar, that's gonna awaken his church to be the church that we're called to be. And he said, I'm going to wake them up. Now listen, I've said this before, I I think you know that theologically, I don't think that everything that's been happening in the past year, COVID, all the political stuff, all the craziness, all the division, I don't think God caused that, but I do believe that he's using it. We have a God who's a good steward, he doesn't waste a thing. And the Bible says all things work together for good to those who are called uh, of God or loved by God and are called according to his purpose. I don't believe that God has caused it, but I promise he is using it to shake us, to awaken us, and awaken us to who we're called to be. There's a shaking going on right now, and he's saying, church, wake up. Let me remind you who you are. Awaken to your destiny. Awaken to the power of God that resides inside of you and is the answer to every human problem. And he's shaking us and he's waking us. And listen, how many of you in the past year have been a little bit uncomfortable? (laughs) The rest of you are like, it's been good. I'm good. I'm comfortable. It's awesome. Awesome. (laughs) Well, this isn't for you then. But I do believe that sometimes God will actually cause us to be a little bit uncomfortable to get our attention and to shake us a little bit and to wake us. How many of you know it's, it's hard to sleep when you're uncomfortable? Have you ever heard to try to sleep on a hard bed or a lumpy bed? Or who's been camping when you pitch your tent, you think it's a great spot, you put your sleeping bag, and then there's like this massive hill right on your back, you know, it seems to happen every time. It's like you can't sleep when you're uncomfortable. I think that sometimes God makes us a little uncomfortable so that we'll rely on the comforter. Yeah. 
(laughs) He makes us a little uncomfortable, so we'll rely on the Holy Spirit, who is the comforter and not the comforts of this world. And I believe God is using 2020 and even things that are happening in our life now to stir us, to awaken us, and to call us up into who we're really called to be. And he said, Lazarus is asleep, but I'm going to wake him up. I prophesy that any of us that are sleeping in kingdom life, God's coming to wake us up. Any of San Antonio, the church of the body of Christ, that is sleeping, is awakening to its destiny. And the bride of Christ is being awakened to who we're called to be be, but here's the deal. I believe that one of the things that we're being awakened to is the power of the resurrection. And I love this. Martha's like, Jesus, like, I, I, know, I know he's going to rise again on the last day. And Jesus is like, no, 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 you don't understand. Like, I am the resurrection. He goes, I am the resurrection and the life. And see, how many of you know it's not enough for us to just know the power of the cross? We have to know the power of the resurrection. In in, in Philippians 3, verse 10, Paul said this. He said, I want to know Christ and the power of the resurrection. And Jesus said, I am the resurrection. Amory said this during worship. She said, the same spirit that rose Jesus from the dead lives inside of us. The power of the resurrection is part of our identity. That means everywhere we go, things should be coming back to life. Listen, that means that when you walk into, you know, when you're friends with uh, a family whose, you know, uh, marriage is on the rocks, you should be able to bring resurrection life into that marriage. When there's businesses that are suffering on the verge of bankruptcy, listen, you have something inside of you to see businesses resurrected. You, you have, listen, when people are, are in pain or are, are sick or disease, or what if, what about dead people? We have the power of the resurrection living inside of us, so everywhere we, we go, we should be defeating the power of death. You know, there's a, a just a, I love the prophetic picture of this in Ezekiel 47. And uh, how many of you know that a lot of things are concealed in the Old Testament, but they're revealed in the New? There's mysteries concealed in the Old Testament that are actually revealed in Jesus. And I believe one of them is Ezekiel 47. In Ezekiel 47, we read about how Ezekiel, the prophet, goes into this encounter. And it says that from the temple of God flowed a river... It's known as Ezekiel's River, in, it probably in your Bible, in your Bible, like chapter heading. And it says this river flowed from the gate of the temple. And it says everywhere the river went, whatever touched it came to life. Wherever this river went, dead things came back to life. Well, Jesus takes that Old Testament encounter and introduces a new covenant reality in the Gospels where he said, listen, he who believes in me out of his belly will flow rivers of living water. See, in the new covenant, we are the temple of God. And everywhere we go, the river of God flows and everything that touches it is meant to come back to life. In 1 John 4, it says, as he is, Jesus, so are we in the world. It doesn't say as he was when he walked the earth and did lots of miracles, as cool as that was. It says as he is. How is he right now? He is the fully resurrected Christ, fully glorified in heaven, seated at the right hand of God. 
And 1 John 4 says, as he is, everybody say, as he is. So are we in this world. It's all through scripture. In Ephesians, Paul said, we are seated with Christ in heavenly places. It's the power of the resurrection living inside of us. And everywhere we go, stuff is called to come back to life. Not only that, but anything in your life that seems to be dead, that seems to be dormant, one encounter with the reality of the resurrection can bring that dead thing to life. Because he's the power of the resurrection. And you know, one of the other things that he's awakening us to isn't just that we're like him as he's seated with Christ in heavenly places. It's not just that we have the same spirit that rose Jesus from the dead living inside of us. He's awakening us to the reality that when we, when we were crucified with Christ, we were raised with Christ as a brand new creation. 2 Corinthians 5, 17, you know it. If anyone is in Christ, he is what? He is a new creation. All things have passed away. All things have become new. And you know what that means? It means that when we got born again, when we put our faith in Jesus, we we're actually given a new nature. Like, I don't think there's anybody in this room, but like there's, there's doctrines in the church that believe that we're just, you know, we're always gonna be sinners with a sinful nature and uh, we're, we're sinners saved by grace. But how have you know that if you believe your identity is sinner, you'll sin by faith? But if you believe you are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus, that the Bible says that you are, by faith you will live out that identity. You're like, well, how come I'm still tempted with sin? Yeah, you might still be tempted with sin, but you don't have to give in to it because the power of sin has been crucified with Christ in your life. So when we give in to sin, we're just really forgetting who we are. We're having an identity crisis. We're having spiritual amnesia. Amnesia. It's like we, but when we remind ourselves, I'm the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. I have a new nature. The power of sin has been defeated in my life. By faith, we will live out that reality as the righteousness of God. And Paul talked about this. And I want to, and I just want to read this from Romans chapter six. Uh, the Apostle Paul's um, right in the church in Rome, and. In Romans 5, he's basically, you know, if you remember, he's talking about how uh, he says where, where, where sin abounds, grace abounds much more. And he's like, does that mean that where there's sin, there's grace? We should just sin so there's more grace? He's like, no, 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 that's missing the point. He's like, don't, don't, don't. He's like, don't be stupid. But in Romans 6, starting in verse 1, it says this. So what do we do then? Do we persist in sin so that God's kindness and grace will increase? What a terrible thought. We have died to sin once for all as a dead man passes away from this life. So how could we live under sin's rule a moment longer? Or have you forgotten that all of us who, we, who are immersed into union with Jesus, listen to this, the anointed one, were immersed into the union of his death? Verse four, sharing in his death by our baptism means that we were co-buried and entombed with him so that when the Father's glory raised Christ from the dead, we were also raised with him. Everybody say, I was raised with him. We have been co-resurrected with him so that we could be empowered to walk in the freshness of new life. For since we are permanently grafted into him to experience a death like his, then we are permanently grafted into him to experience a resurrection like his and the new life that it imparts. Isn't that awesome? So our old nature was crucified with Christ and we have been resurrected with Christ 
with a brand new nature. But here's the deal. I believe that a lot of us, although we've been resurrected with Christ, we're born again, we're new creatures, we've come out of the tomb, so to speak, some of us, unfortunately, are still wearing grave clothes. And he walks out of the tomb, and it says he was bound with, with grave clothes, and he was bound hand and foot, which speaks of bondage, which speaks of captivity, which speaks of being bound by the things of our old man. And he comes out of the tomb, and Jesus, the first thing Jesus said, it says he was bound hand and foot by these grave clothes. And it says, and there was a large cloth placed over his face. The first thing Jesus said is loose him from the grave clothes and remove the grave clothes. And I believe that a lot of us, even though we've been born again, we've been raised as new creations, we still have these grave clothes sometimes that we're walking around with that represent our old man. And it's as simple as just getting unraveled, allowing Jesus to take those off because you no longer have need for those grave clothes because you have been resurrected as newness of life. And listen, for some of us, our grave clothes are just old habits that we've brought into our Christian walk. And sometimes we feel so bound by them and we think there's no way that I can get free from this. And sometimes it's just renewing our minds with the reality that we are new creations, that we are dead to sin, that we have a new nature. Our old man was crucified with Christ. It's in the ground. And we've been raised as new creations, as the righteousness of God. And I believe that the Lord just wants to remove grave clothes from us. And it's interesting because it says not only was he bound with grave clothes, but there was this, this handkerchief or this uh, uh, piece of cloth that covered his face. You know, and, and I really believe that that represents shame in the body of Christ. In, in Psalms, it says this. It says, those who look to him, Jesus, are radiant and their faces are never covered in shame. And I really believe that the Lord wants to remove our, our grave clothes of our old man, our old habits, old ways of doing things. And let me just say this. You don't get rid of your grave clothes by beating yourself up. <laughs> you don't get rid of your grave clothes by, uh, by wallowing in condemnation. Man, I used to do this. I used to like, I used to think when I messed up, if I sinned, if I, did, if I made a mistake, I used to think the more sorry I felt, and the more I wallowed in condemnation, the more I deserved to be forgiven. But how of you know that's not repentance, that's penance. That's trying to pay for something that Jesus paid for. And it's actually pride. Now don't feel condemned if you've been condemned. <laughs> but I found myself, like the more the more like sorry I felt, the more condemnation I felt, the more I heaped shame on myself, the more I beat myself up, the more I, I, I would somehow convince God how sorry I was, then I could actually be forgiven. But, but, but the reality is you were forgiven 2,000 years ago when Jesus died on the cross and rose again and the moment you became born again in a new creation. You are, again, say it again, say, I am the righteousness of God. We just need to receive it by faith, don't we? I remember one time, man, as an early Christian, I was just battling condemnation, and, and I'm, 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 I'm sorry for the mental image. I was sitting in the bathtub, and, uh, and I was just like, I was just battling condemnation, and I was like trying to convince God how sorry I was, and I was like, God, I am so sorry. Like, I am so sorry for that, and I'm like trying to convince them, and then I realized, 
This is actually pride. Because I'm, I think that I'm powerful enough to feel sorry enough that I can finally be forgiven. And see, what condemnation is, the reason it's pride, is it's actually believing that we're powerful enough that our mistakes are more powerful than the blood of Jesus. So I'm like, I'm wallowing in this shame, wallowing in this condemnation, and then I was, I was like, I just kind of, something shifted. And I'm like, no, this is condemnation. I was like, I don't receive this. I'm the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Thank you, thank you, God. And I just began to confess. Even though my emotions didn't feel it yet, by faith, I started to say, God, thank you that I'm forgiven. I am righteous. You delight in me. I am, I am clothed in a, in a robe that's white as snow. And I'm, I start confessing this to the Lord. And I, in, in a moment, I had this like internal vision of this crowd of people going crazy, cheering. And it's like, I could almost hear in the spirit, I could just hear, yeah, like, rah, like, at, like at, a, at a game or something. I was like, oh my gosh. It like almost startled me a little bit. And I was like, that was the great cloud of witnesses. And they are actually excited that I'm starting to understand who I am. They're actually cheering in heaven because I'm getting a revelation of my identity and I'm resisting condemnation. And I believe that some of us are grave clothes that are binding us, hounded, uh, hand and foot is shame, is condemnation, is remorse, is, uh, and listen, the, the Bible does say that, um, you know, godly sorrow, you know, leads to repentance. And that's good to like, be like, God, I'm sorry about that. But after, after you apologize, move on. Don't remind God of something that he's already forgotten. I think sometimes we're like, God, sorry about that. He's like, sorry about what? <laughs> you know, he's like, I don't know what you're talking about. Cause he chooses to not just forget, but literally remove it from us. You know, to, that, that we're justified. It's just as if it didn't happen. He literally rewrites our history. And we need to start to see ourselves the way that he sees us. And I believe that when we do that, it's gonna be part of the unveiling. And I love this prophetic picture because he said, remove the grave clothes. And not only did they unwrap them of all the old habits, the shame, the condemnation, uh, the, all of that stuff, but they lift the veil off of Lazarus's face that I believe represents the unveiling of the body of Christ to shine the glory of God. Isaiah 6, he says, arise and shine for your light has come and the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. And I believe that it's the reality of Romans 8 where it says all of creation longs for the unveiling of the sons of God. So what happens when we understand the power of the resurrection, we understand we've been raised with Christ, we understand that we're free of all shame, condemnation, uh, uh, judgment, that we are the righteousness of God, that we can lift the shame off of our face. Like it says in Psalms, we can look to him and be radiant so that our faces are never again covered in shame. I really believe that we will manifest the kingdom of God everywhere we go. And like Ezekiel's river, everywhere we go, whatever we touch will turn to life. Listen, when we understand who we are, we start to see people healed by mistake. When we understand that we're the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus, you can walk into a room and not say a word just because you know you're a son. You know you're the righteousness of God. You know the resurrected Jesus lives inside of you. You can just walk into a room and not say a word and shift the atmosphere because greater is he that's in you than he who's in the world. And I really believe there's an unveiling taking place in the body of Christ right now. 
and even with all the craziness that's happening, allow the Lord to just use even a little bit of discomfort to shake you, to wake you a little bit to the reality of who you are. And I believe a prayer that we should all pray on a regular basis is God, give me a fresh understanding of who I am in you. Give me a spirit of wisdom and revelation that I might know you more and I might know who I am in you more that I might manifest you everywhere I go. Let's all stand together. I'm gonna pray for us. If I could have um, even just some of the music playing in the background. Worship team doesn't have to come up. If I could just have some music playing. And this is what I want to do. If you're here and you're like, you know what? I feel like I just, this isn't, this isn't a judgment thing. This is a safe place. And I'm raising my hand. If you're here and you're like, you know what? I know that I'm born again. I know that I'm resurrected with Christ. But I'm still wearing some grave clothes. Maybe it's shame. Maybe it's condemnation. Maybe it's old habits that were part of your old man that's been crucified. If that's you and you're like, you know what? I just have some grave clothes that I need unraveled right now. I need this veil taken off of my face right now. If that's you, I just want you to raise your hand where you are and we're gonna pray for, we're gonna pray for you. All right, I'm not even gonna have people go around and lay hands on you. Let's just do this. Let's just all lift our hands like this. Wow. Father, I just thank you for sending your son Jesus to not just die for us but also rise again and I thank you Lord that his resurrection your resurrection is also our resurrection that we have been crucified with Christ our old man is dead and buried and we've been raised up as new creations as the righteousness of God and Father all over this room I pray that you would release a fresh revelation whoa that we are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus Lord anybody that's been battling shame guilt condemnation I just pray that those grave clothes would just come off of them right now that you just begin to loose them right now by your grace by your love by your freedom and I just want you to imagine and picture Jesus looking at you with his face beaming with delight over you. The Bible says that he rejoices over us with singing. So I just declare over you, may the Lord bless you and keep you. May his face, meaning his delight, his favor, his joy in you, may his face shine upon you and give you peace. Wow. So I just release the peace of God, the delight of the Father, the extravagance of heaven to be free as a new creation, to remove the grave clothes and to be free to be who you're called to be. And Lord, with that revelation, I pray that we would leave tonight manifesting the kingdom of God, that we would walk out Romans 8, that you would release the revealing of the sons of God in the earth through us in Jesus' name. And Lord, I thank you for it. Amen. Amen. Can we just thank the Lord tonight? Lord, just thank you. 
Thanks for joining us for today's message. Don't forget to check out our website at kingdomlifesa.com for more podcasts, updates, and events, or find us on Facebook and Instagram. Have a blessed day.